Hello and welcome to the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. This is Eddie, host of the Spiritual Spiral. Really excited to have Troy Akers on the show today. I will, of course, get to the conversation really soon, but I just wanted to do a quick introduction today and just talk about a few things about music and the podcast um, and talk about Troy. So Troy, I met maybe five six years ago at a music conference in the Santa Barbara area. It was a music supervision conference and really liked him a lot. And he was in a great band at the time. It may have been seven years ago, but he was in a great band at the time called The Co. And he was a cool guy, amazing musician, incredible piano player. Yeah, we just obviously exchanged information. This was again before Instagram existed, so we probably connected through Facebook, but just stayed in touch. He's from Nashville, and I was really impressed by the songs in his band. I was impressed by who he was, great singer. He he basically breaks off onto his own eventually in, in, as a singer-songwriter on a solo project and creates Bandit Heart, B-A-N-D-I-T, and then Heart. That's, the, that's his stage name. And it's really dramatic, powerful music that really grabs you. It's sort of got this uh, cinematic vibe to it, lots of layers of vocals, um, and it's just really beautiful music. And I've always liked him. He's a cool guy, and I thought I would have him on the show. And it's a cool talk about music, social media, Instagram, of course. Um, And so, yeah, we'll get to it really soon. Also, just randomly, just on the music front, just really quickly, I'm not much of a pop music guy, but Ed Sheeran, the new record, it's called Number Six Collaborations Project. It's amazing. I mean, Khalid is on it, Chance the Rapper, um, Justin Bieber, Travis Scott, um, Skrillex, Meek Mill, the song 1000 Nights with Meek Mill is amazing. Uh, anyway, I, I highly suggest you check it out. I, I played most of the I played most of the album at this at the pool party that I DJed this past weekend. It's just an amazing record. I think for a pop album, I'm blown away. I, I can't believe how good it is. So there's that. There's my musical recommendation for the day. Being that it's a musical themed podcast, I thought I would uh, suggest the. Uh, I thought I would suggest a record that I think you should check out. And last but not least, if you don't know what the spiritual spiral is or the downward-facing spiritual spiral is, basically, I've become really interested in the trend in our culture because of technology. Of course, technology is great. I use it all the time. I have an iPhone. I use an iPad. I freaking record all the time. Uh, I, I love technology. But I've begun to notice the impact that technology is having on our lives. I don't think people are communicating like they used to. I don't think we're listening. I don't think people have face-to-face conversations anymore. I DJed at a pool party this past weekend, and and I saw two people who were literally staring at their phone, taking selfies for over an hour and a half. I I just think technology, if you're not careful, is going to shift your priorities. I think people are wasting their free time more than ever just scrolling. And it's not necessarily our faults. It's because these devices are so addictive. And the dopamine hits, um, they give us the attention that a lot of people are longing for in their lives. And instead of, and instead of having meaningful conversations or 
doing meaningful things, we end up staring at our phones for multiple hours. And I just created the podcast to talk about it, to talk with artists, musicians, DJs, yoga teachers about the impact of social media. And last but not least, I just found it was really interesting the day that I had Troy on my show. Last Saturday, I spoke to him. We had just had the earthquake um, in Los Angeles, and I felt really anxious all day. Probably thinking about the other earthquake that I had experienced in 93 or 94 in LA, but I probably was nervous that another one could happen. And as I spoke to Troy, I just felt the anxiety in my body just go away. And it made me realize just having a conversation with somebody can be really relaxing also. And not only is it is it meaningful and, and it adds depth, but it can also be calming. Um, so yeah, thanks, Troy, for taking the time to talk with me on the show. Again, he can be found on Instagram at Bandit Heart. He's in Nashville, amazing musician, really cool guy. And as always, if you dig the podcast, I say it a lot, but please head over to iTunes, give it a quick rating, five star, ideally write a quick review, share it with people. There's some amazing guests that have already been on the show. I just noticed a couple of days ago that the podcast was featured on the iTunes store, which is freaking amazing. So again, just please, if you got a second, share it, or write a quick review. And um, yeah, that's it. Oh, last thing, there there will be sprinkled throughout the podcast some music from Bandit Heart, and um, you can find his music on Spotify, again, at Bandit Heart, and I end the show with my favorite song of his called Ghost, so it's just really powerful stuff, and again, I hope you enjoy the conversation I had with Troy, and as always, thank you so much for listening to the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral. Yo, Troy. Hey, man. How are you? There you are. Awesome. I'm good. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Likewise, man. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, totally. Of course. You're like, what else do I have to do on a Saturday night? <laughs> yeah. So, God, I don't. I can start and go in so many directions, but um, I was listening to Bandit Heart, your your band or your what's where did Bandit Heart come from? That's the name of name of the uh of your band or your artist name or what's that all about so band at heart has kind of always been around in my brain um i just kind of put a name to it um basically kind of backtracking about let's see it's 2019 now i would say 2013 or 12 i i always used to record demos you know right. and like back when i was in the co um I would record those demos and then pass those on to the guys and then we would maybe turn those into songs for the band. Okay. Um, and then there was kind of a gray area of about a year and a half where we kind of started to dissipate as a group and that we couldn't really tell what was going on. And um, Nate, who was the drummer in that band, right. we lived there at the time and I would always bring the demos to him and we would kind of make up mock tracks of those songs. Right. And... When the band was still going on, we would save those songs, those demos, and say, you know, when Colin came in, hey, like, we have this new song. Like, what do you think about it? Do you want to write on it? And then it would kind of progress from there. So in my head, I had two I had two styles of songs. So 
whenever I would write, I would just write unabandoned. Like I would just say whatever happens, happens. And then when I would finish, I would say, okay, like, is this more of a co-song or is just, or is this something that I'm just going to upload to SoundCloud and like yeah. do whatever with? Yeah. Um, and more and more, um, just as Nate and I started to record together, I just kind of kept stockpiling songs on my own. Right. Um, and then accidentally, uh, in 2013, I had recorded this demo called Don't Let Me Go. Right. And at that point, the band was pretty much dead. I think we probably lasted maybe four months after that. But I was starting to think in my mind, okay, like, if this is ending, I need to be prepared and I want to have something ready for the next, you know, venture. Sure. And um, I remember sending it to my good friend out in L.A. Um, she's a music supervisor out there. What's her name? Her name's Madonna Wade Reed. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you know I've her. met her before. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing woman. Uh-huh. She's kind of like she's kind of like my amazing best friend, like slash fairy godmother slash guru slash everything. We all need. <laughs> yeah, we all need those. Yeah. So she always gives me great advice. So actually I emailed her that demo because I wanted feedback because this is kind of like the first thing that I tried on my own without saying like, OK, I'm going to record this and then put this to like the band. So she actually sent me back like a critique. And I remember thinking like, oh, wow, like she didn't really like it. It wasn't discouraging because it was just kind of like, you know, helpful, constructive right. criticism. She texted me and said, hey, who represents your stuff? I just placed Don't Let Me Go on my TV show, Rain, that I'm working on. And I texted her back. And I was like, you mean this, the song I emailed you? And in my head, I was like, you mean the demo that I emailed right. you? <laughs> and so um, she said, yeah. And so we... I mean, I flurried around and got it all figured out that day. Yeah. But uh, wow, that was kind of like the birth of Bandit Heart. Of Bandit Heart, and Bandit Heart comes from I basically because my identity was so tied up in the band at the time. Like the Co was around for ten years, you yeah. know, and for me, Troy Akers was a huge piece of that. Um, kind of like the face of that. Like I was always on social media with that. I was always talking to our fans and. Right. I felt like my name was too associated with the band, and so I wanted to kind of have a pseudo name. Okay, like this can be whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to be have a tie to anything. Yeah. And so I just I just kind of thought about what um, where my music usually comes from, which it usually comes from late at night. It's very heartfelt. I usually write the lyrics and don't think about what I'm saying till after I'm done. Sure. Uh, I rarely go back and edit. Um, well, I think I should. I should play the song, you know? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. I also want to play Ghost later because that's like my favorite one for sure. Yeah. Uh, but this song's called Don't Let Me Go from Bandit Heart. It's two words, by the way, for people that uh, B-A-N-D-I-T and then Heart, H-E-A-R-T. Uh, speaking of Troy Akers, and this track's called Don't Let Me Go. There is a devil in the dark One hand on my throat and one on your heart Love is the mercy covering me Once was blinded, now I believe So don't 
It's interesting, like, I remember listening to The Co, and it, it reminded me of Coldplay. And yeah. this banded heart vibe, it's really stripped down. Yeah. Um, did you ever feel as though you should add more instrumentation or more of a band? Or, or this? Your, has anybody ever, or a producer ever suggested? Uh, and I'm not saying this in any sort of critical way. I'm just wondering if you've ever even, like, thought about going there. Um, I think if I'm being frank... I always wished a lot of the songs that the co had from their original kind of like, I don't know, date of birth, you know, per se, like when the songs were written, you know, in a room or in the studio, there was some kind of beauty in that, that I was always gravitated towards. I was always pulled towards because I think with, and I'm speaking on the, on the other side of being in a pop band, but I feel like a lot of music for me, when I hear it, the first thing I'm listening to are the lyrics. Yeah. 
and then the melody. And if those two get married together in a beautiful way, like those become my favorite songs. And so I feel like for me, I was kind of unraveling all the things that I wish maybe the band had become into what I was doing at that point. My favorite artists at that point and to this day are Sufjan Stevens. Um, and then this guy who's kind of just now getting big, he's from Boulder. His name's Gregory Allen Isaacoff. Don't know. He's incredible. You would love him. He's okay. an incredible songwriter. What happened with Co? Because um, it felt like you guys were sort of having some good stuff happening in Nashville. And I feel like you're getting yeah. placements. I mean, what what ultimately do you think was was sort of the demise of the band or what, what happened where you just felt like it was time to let go? Yeah, I, 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 a lot of my friends here in town, like they've been in bands or they are in bands. And I realize that we all share the same sentiment. But I think after working together for so long, you kind of get to the point where it's like, okay, like this is do or die. Hmm. Like if, if we really want this to happen, we have to make some sacrifices. Yeah. Um, and I think our viewpoints of what sacrifices were just vary. Um, and it just ultimately came down to who wanted to put the time in. And I really think those kind of, business decisions got in the way of the creativity and once that happened i was kind of checked out yeah you know? well um, what's interesting and i talk about this on the podcast i'm curious about what what you your opinion you know ultimately as an artist you know you just you want to spend your time making music you know maybe whether sure. it's in the studio being on the road but there is that business aspect to it and i think yeah. uh there's only so much time in a day and now mm-hmm. on top of that Social, there's this social media aspect to it. And I think because of what happened with Napster and Spotify, it did trickle down and have an impact on the creative world. And I think it's people lost jobs. There was no reason for A&R. People don't pay for music anymore. And I think it ultimately forced bands, especially independent bands, to then spend their time managing that pie of the business, the social media, the PR. And there's just, it's not about complaining, but the reality is what's happened to the music industry. And because of social media, it's forced artists to sort of spread their time across so many different avenues. Their energy into all of those things. Did you feel so? And I don't remember um, even when Instagram and Facebook started, but I know we ultimately became Facebook friends and all that sort of stuff. But did you feel the pressure of all of that? And do you still feel it? Because as a, maybe it's a little less since you're a solo artist now, but was that social media aspect sort of becoming a little overbearing or overwhelming for the band also? Or, you know, give me the relationship that you guys had with that. I kind of think that I, on the social media side, I, and I think both the guys would agree with this. Um, I, I kind of took that aspect of it on for us because we knew that I was like a full-time kind of job. And one thing that we did do well with the band was we did divvy out kind of like positions. Like if you can take care of Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, social media stuff, like you're the voice for the band. Like we would run things, I would run things by them, get approval and everything. And, you know, that was actually one reason why we called it The Co is because not only was it, you know, initials for our names, but it was also short for the company. Like we really did have a, a business mindset. So 
Now, and how do you, what's your thoughts on social media and the impact that it has on your creative process? And do you feel as though you're managing too many things and, and you know, what's, what's your relationship with social media? You know, it's funny for me because I, I guess I would consider myself just average <laughs> with my use of it. Um, I see the value in keeping up with people. Cause I mean, I, I have friends all over the world. There's, there's people that I can only talk to and like, you know, WhatsApp or, you know, whatever. And, so it's necessary, but I think with me and music now, I've, and I think people would disagree with me, but I think if the music is good enough and it sparks, you know, an interest that someone will kind of reach out their hand at the same time you're trying to do the same to connect if they're connecting with the music. I'm not going to go over the top. I'm not going to spend money on ads or, you know, have placements of like, things on a Facebook feed or an Instagram. Like right. to me, it's just, I think I'm just old school in the way of thinking like, well, if it's good enough, it's going to get into the hands of somebody. And that was one reason why I think music supervision is such a cool thing because it's literally the exact same thing as when we were kids making mixtapes for our friends. Hmm. This, this person that gets paid by a network, you know, for a TV show gets to find songs they love and put it into a mixtape or a show or a movie and says, Hey, this is cool. And it fits with the scene. If you dig it, yeah. you know, this is this person. So I'm kind of like in between on it. You know, I don't, I don't want to go over the top with it because it's just not who I am. I'm way more of a face to face kind of person, but right. It's necessary. Unfortunately, yeah, I feel like banded heart does have sort of a mystery to it all, which I think is, um, intentional. It is intentional, isn't it? Yeah. I don't want people to know about me if they don't want to know about me. I'd rather them learn about the music and, you know, me as an artist, me as a person, if they're actually interested. I don't want to throw it in somebody's face, you know. And and that's different because pop music is – there's a – when we were in the pop world, like, you are just another speck on the the wall. Like, there are so many people – fighting for that spot and you have to look like you're the biggest and best all the time and that you yeah. have something going on even if you don't have anything going on that's you know? so really it is that's what's so interesting to me about social media and just our culture now there is that thing going on where people um almost they they have to give pe- other people the impression that their life is interesting or happening or there's something really going on there's just a lot of trickery yeah. going on with it and you know i not to get too philosophical, but I think that comes from a lot of, for a lot of people, I think it just comes from, from a place of loneliness, like, or affirmation, you know, like you're doing this or that. Well, look at me, what I'm doing. I want you to enjoy and like what I'm doing too. And I think what I would hope people can get to the point at, you know, and be in a healthy state is like, just realize that like what they have is enough and that they're enough. Yeah. That, you know, like they have value. What I would hope for me as I've reeled back from, you know, being in a pop band to just me as a solo artist that like what I give is actually what I what I am, what I offer is genuine. Yeah. Listen and learn 
I've had this theory that, um, and nobody's really disagreed with me, um, and I'm not saying this to get you to agree with me, but I think back to like the 90s in Seattle and and sort of like the 90s hip hop scene in New York and LA. And and I I think, I don't know if bands are going to be around much longer in the sense that you need sort of an incubation period with other bandmates. And mm. and really sort of get in the room and get dirty, and yeah, uh, and, yeah. and and I just think you know of the U2s and the REMs and um, Coldplay. I, Coldplay, yeah. And I saw, but if you haven't seen the Coldplay documentary that came out, probably yeah. you, oh my god, it was incredible. It's um, fascinating. Yeah, I just I don't know if that. And I, I kind of blame social media in the sense that I think it's just there's just the constant distractions and and people yeah. wanting to share all the time and and I don't and I find it funny that you know artists like Beyonce it's all about names now Beyonce Drake J Balvin um, and I just what's your thought and do you feel like there, do you feel the shift happening and do you ever wonder if the the day and age of bands could could be over 
I think the way in which people discover them is for sure changing and may have already changed. Yeah. I, you know, I think about, so freshman year of high school for me, the last day of school, I remember sitting, you know, on the fourth floor with my Walkman listening to Parachutes by Coldplay. Yeah. And the way that I found out about them was not through Instagram or Facebook because they didn't exist and they weren't around for a long time before that. Um, but I just, I remember going to Target up the street. They always had this music discovery section and I would just go every week and pick out a new CD and, you know, and I remember getting Pete Yorn's first record. I remember <laughs> getting Coldplay's first record. But I remember the moment when somebody asked me that day, what are you listening to? And I said, oh, it's this new band. I'm not sure where they're from. I think they're called Coldplay. Yeah. And fast forward, literally like the documentary, two or three years later, and they're huge. Yeah. You know, and so I think there's this, there's a rapidness with how much things are available now in the world that that incubation period almost isn't, as long as they don't put anything up, like they could probably have that still happen, you know, like that, that time to kind of get to know each other and get to know themselves and their music. Right. But the danger with any band, with any solo artist or anything, if you put something up anywhere, you're playing with fire and you have the chance, you have the, I mean, I'm the example. I sent it to somebody, they put it on a TV show. Yeah. And I, I, all of a sudden was an artist, you know, like I could have kept to myself for, 10 more years, like whatever, and not shared it with anybody. But because of the way we've set up, just really the way the internet is and how everything is at our you know, fingertips, though it's kind of like at your, at your beck and call, at your decision. You know, yeah. when you decide to put something out there, it's like you better re be ready for game on. The example that I look at is, especially with that documentary for Coldplay, like we only got to see that period of time because someone was following around with a video camera. Right. A lot of people would probably still say if they don't know anything about Coldplay, they'd be like, well, they made it overnight. And that's just not true. You know, like with the U2s and with Coldplay, and I would even say, you know, a more a more recent like huge band, the 1975, they haven't been around for two years. They've been around for over 10 or I even think 15. Yeah. You know, so it's really the way that the, I think the Internet has just kind of put everything at our fingertips and the way that we think we can find whatever we need or whatever we want. And I also think just as fans, I read this article um, this past week about just ingesting music, taking it all in. And I and was talking about reading the liner notes, you know, holding, you know, reading the lyrics. And really, I remember like getting OK Computer. And, you know, again, this isn't about oh, it was better then. It's just it's different now. But it, but this is having a dramatic, you know, technology is so new. And if you think about it, just in the landscape of our of our culture and, and the world. But I do remember OK Computer only liking Let Down and Karma Police. Yeah. But then, like a couple weeks later, Airbag just, you know, respond. I responded to Airbag. And then, and then I saw the video like a month later for Paranoid Android. And I was like, mm -hmm. holy shit, what is this? And it just was like yeah. three or four. And then I remember you know, really paying attention to the lyrics. And then I remember seeing them in concert on that tour. And it was sort of like this year long relationship that I had with them. Yeah. And, and I just, and you still remember it now. You I know? do. I remember it now still. It was, yeah. it was such a vivid 
part of my life. And you, and even with Soundgarden, I remember Super Unknown coming out. You know, I had mm-hmm. liked Bad Motor Finger, and I always sort of liked Chris Cornell a little bit. But I remember Super Unknown coming out, and it's sort of that record like blew my mind. It, it was just I. I I mean, Alice in Chains and Nirvana, there was just something about that super unknown record that blew my mind. I guess my point is that I remember ingesting and, and absorbing the lyrics and really studying, not studying it, but just it was a part of my life for like a long time. Yeah, and it was almost like it was a choice that you made to invest. Like there's something there's something weird with the, the way the mind works with music. Like I can, especially in my high school, early college years, I can remember the moment and the exact place I was when I first listened to Hmm. fill in the blank. And it was because I was holding the CD. It was because I'd just gone to the store to get it, you know? And like, even in recent years with like those same artists and their newer records, because they come out on Spotify at like 11 o'clock at night before Friday, you know, like, and it's just like quick, it's like, boom. Like, I don't have those same memories, but I can tell you the first time I ever heard Ryan Adams gold was in my dad's pickup truck on a Friday, you know, driving around downtown Nashville. I can't tell you where I was when I heard Ashes and Fire for the first time. So interesting. You know? Yeah. But I think that's comparable to like, even like when you go to a show, you remember more if you're just sitting there watching it and taking it in than you holding up your phone, doing a Facebook Live, Instagram Live, you know, video feed. Yeah. I really do think that. I think it has something to do with just the way that we ingest things and like, you know, invest time, you know? Yeah. I think there's certain types of, you know, brains that, you know, we as human beings have that like people can remember this or that or like what clothes they're wearing. But like, I just know that for me personally, especially with music, because I can relate time so well to it. Yeah. Those are the things that I really do correlate it like from like a physical to digital standpoint. Let's flash back. So when did you realize um, p- like music was was you? Um, you know, I I don't really have a point in time where I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, yeah, but do you have a memory of, you know, did your mom, mom or dad have like a piano at the house or something? Or Yeah, so back in eighth grade, um, my grandfather, who I'm named after, his name was also Troy, um, he... He signed me up for piano lessons and I started taking piano lessons. But at that point, the only reason I ever wanted to learn piano was because I was so in love with Pachelbel's uh, Canon and D. All I remember after learning Canon and D was I got bored really fast. I learned how like to look at chords and to read chords. And if you see a C, this is what C is on the piano. If you see a D minor, this is what D minor is. And that's kind of what I ingested and remembered. And so two years later, I didn't remember how to play Canon and D. But I could look at like the note the note sheet for like Bruce Springsteen's Streets of Philadelphia and I could play the chords and sing along to it. Oh cool. Um and so then like I don't know, probably junior year of high school I wrote my first song for this girl who I wanted to just pretty much piss off in front of the whole school for the talent show. I remember playing that live and I remember the reaction I got and it was a good reaction, like even she was impressed. And I just remember someone telling me like you're incredible. You don't need to stop doing this. I never really had the, I, I won't say drive. I think just the confidence to do it on my own at that point. It really did take me going to Belmont, 
and meeting other people and seeing like that they had the same kind of feelings and the viewpoints of like music and the desires for me to really kind of get down that track. What's, what's Belmont? Is that, is that where you went to college? Yeah, it's a university here in Nashville. Okay. Um, it's huge now. I mean, it was getting big back then, but their, their biggest major for music people was, um, you could either do music performance or major in music business, which is basically learning about the industry and everything like that. So I majored in that and then met, you know, my friends at the time who were going to be in the band with me. And then that's how that whole thing got started. Yeah. So tell me about, I mean, Nashville <laughs> is just such an amazing music scene. I imagine, Let me just give me, some, give me some stories about what's it like being there. You know, it's crazy. Like, I don't think I was aware of how much the music scene was thriving until I was in college. Because, you know, when you're in high school, you go down the same street to high school, come back, and you go to the mall with friends, whatever. Um, but I do remember, like, senior year of high school hearing about, like, Coldplay coming to the Ryman, Johnny Cash playing at Exodan. Wow. I do remember the day that Johnny Cash died was the last semester of my senior year of high school, and I remember I was I cried like he was a huge hero of mine and he still is. Yeah, just of the way he lived his life and redemption and the way he wrote songs. But I remember thinking that man who is such a hero and a legend played this small tiny box of a venue called Exodan. And I didn't go to that, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So thinking of things like that actually still happens in this city, you know? And there's a restaurant I work here in town. I'm a bartender at called Burger Up. And we're we're a, a well-known establishment and we still have people come in. And I see him walk through the, through the door and I'm like, is this really happening? Like John Prine comes in regularly. Wow. I think... If, if and when he ever passes on, I think he will be one of those people that will look back and say he was one of the greatest songwriters of our time. So there's still like this, this sense of like legendary people walking around this city that I don't think you can find, you know, in every city across, you know, the U.S. Are you, are you busy writing new stuff right now? What's, what's going on creatively? I write when I want to write um, just because I don't, don't want to force anything. Um, so I write when I'm feeling something, or I write when I want to say something. Um, I kind of went from that mindset of like the pop world is like, okay, we're going to book a write for 1.30 PM on a Tuesday and like, we'll write till three and hopefully we have something. And like, just feeling that like forceful, oh my God, I have to do something good and have to have something valuable. And just, I've just reeled everything back and like, I want it to be true to myself and if I'm not feeling it on the day, I'm not going to sit down at the piano for two hours and try to think of something. It usually comes the day after that, and I'm sitting right. outside or driving, and a melody comes to my head, and it's like, oh, that's the melody to all those words. Yeah. You know? I used to go through a phase where I'd sit down at the piano, and I'd get annoyed or upset if I spent two hours and nothing sounded good. Uh, yeah. it, it wasn't until maybe the last five years where I would give my cut myself some slack and just be like, whatever, today's just it's not yeah. happening. But did you ever have that sort of dynamic going on? I think the last time I ever felt that was probably with the band. Okay. Once I was able to step away from that, I kind of got to write my own rules for myself again. One of the most stark comments that someone ever made to me was, you know, after I put out a few songs, um, Someone said, I feel like this is what you're supposed to be doing the whole time. Hmm. And 
I, it was that Madonna actually said it to me. Um, she said, the fact that your songs sound so different from the co really makes me wonder how much of your creativity was boxed up that you never got to release. Yeah. Was it challenging being in a band? Because uh, I've, I've never been in a band, but I've, I highly recommend not doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I don't want to, but I gotta say, but I want to go back to you. But um, it it felt good to just hire musicians to be in gigs uh, or to go on gigs with me, and and I, because even that sometimes could, there could be friction involved, and it was sure it was so. Just tell me, I mean, what what was tough about it, or what? It's, it's, it's essentially like being married. I yeah. mean, you have arguments, you yell, you scream, you fight, you have to talk about everything. I mean, you're, if you just think about how personal music can be, like you having to analyze or go over every lyric or like, why you said this, why you said that. And then having somebody say like, I want to change this word and going through this like mental battle of like, well, why do you want to change that word? Like, yeah. why not change this other word? So it was just, you get very close in that sense, but it's also just, it's, it's dangerous and it's hard because there's always a risk of losing that, you know, and that's what happened, you know? Yeah. So it's good in a sense of like, you don't have to worry about hiring musicians, but it's also like the risk of you thinking, well, I'm going to go all in and you hope the other person is going all in. But if they're not, that kind of sucks for you because you're putting all this mental energy into it. And if they're not doing the same, yeah, come out on the other end and you realize that, you know, that's a bad feeling in your mind. What's sort of your ideal world as a singer songwriter? What, what would you like to be doing or are you doing it? Yeah, I would say my life right now is kind of in a season of change. I don't know where I will end up in the next year or so, but I think for me, music in the last eight years has become therapy hmm. and it's become kind of like medicine. And it, I, I am just lucky enough to be able to share it on a platform that other people end up hearing it. Um, so shows for me, my, my favorite shows are when I get to play in front of people and explain the songs and like, kind of like walk them through like how it came to be. And so shows, I love them to be intimate. Um, I like them to be just me and my piano and maybe with, you know, a couple of strings players, but I don't know if I would ever like to go full on out and tour the world. I'm just not sure if that is my, you know, desire at this point. I've been traveling to India since I was 19. So about 14 years now. Um, and not getting too much into that, but you know, I'm not going over there for for spiritual reasons or looking for myself, but I've just kind of found myself experiencing joy there in a way that I haven't in the States. Um, and well, one of my biggest things that I love about when I'm there is the relationship that I have with people. For me, like I'm still kind of getting the, the bad, the bad vibes of music that I have in me of like, Oh, like let's jam. Like I hate that term or, hmm. Oh, like what did you do? Like what did you do? And like the comparison of music, well, it feels it feels like almost, and correct me if I'm wrong, but part of the reason why you um, went to India is 
just reflect and and get some space and and connect with yourself a little bit. I mean, tell me about it. I mean, I don't know if it ha- if you started going after the band broke up, but um, I started going actually the year that we started. Um, oh, interesting. The band. Okay. Um, I went because I had some friends that were living there, and he was working with computers and everything. But it all happened by accident. I didn't go because I wanted to find something or find myself. I just kind of it just kind of ended up happening. Um, and I'm not comparing or saying like one place is better than the other, but I I do think we as human beings are we're made to be somewhere. Like you're made to be somewhere. I'm made to be somewhere. The person listening right now, like they've been made for something. And I just think myself as a human being, I connect with people in a way there that I, it's hard for me to hear because there's so much noise surrounded by what I, what I see my life having in it. Um, what's the, no, what's the noise for you here in, in America? Um, I, well, it'd be easier to explain it on the flip side of it. Okay. So in India, for me, when I look at India, you know, people, it's a third world country, which just means it's a little delayed and you know, advances in technology and all of those things that, you know, us as a first world country has. Um, so when I look at how life is there, it's, it's much simpler, you know, like you, there's a, there can be a, you know, a high rise right next to a slum area. And so you've got two different kinds of people living in the same space. It's not really the visual, but it's just like what you have in front of you, you know, like people that live in the mountains, you know, they have a, a mud hut and they have a, a farm and they have animals and they have a, you know, a wife, a daughter and a son, and they have that to take care of, you yeah. know, and they'll have on their, you know, little Nokia brick phone, Ed Sheeran's perfect. And they may think that that's the biggest song in the world for the next 40 years because it's all they have. Or, you know, or the kid that grows up in the city, you know, they have, you know, they have their mom and their dad. And if they're a boy, they, they're growing up knowing they're going to take care of their parents one day. So they're working towards that one thing and it's just single track you know and there's a whole lot of other things that i could go into there that i'm totally not doing a service to but my point is you know me growing up here i had so many avenues that i could have gone down because of the opportunity that i had and i'm thankful for that but i think for me maybe it's just coming from the mindset with music and with just the endless possibilities but I just really, I think I've just enjoyed slowing down and really kind of honing in and being intentional with people. And India for me is that place. You know, for another person, it may be, you know, Japan or it may be Ohio. I'm thinking about how you're saying we all have our spots, but, but you are who you are and why, and in your authentic self that happens in India, why do you think and I'm not saying it's you, but why is it hard for, because you're a great guy. I've always liked you and you've been easy to talk to. I don't know you that well, but I get the sense that from what I have known of you and the people that know you, that you're cool and you're sweet and uh, you're easy to talk to. And I'm just, it's interesting to me why that part of you that happens in India, it's, what do you think? Why is it challenging here? Or, and I'm not saying it's you, but what what do you think it is that's going on? Well, I would say in terms of connection, I am the same person here as I am there. Yeah. You know, I'm building relationships. I'm, I mean, 
the the core people that I hang out with here in Nashville and like that I have here in the states and everything like that is genuine like relationship. The only difference with India is that it's almost a sense of just the entire culture and place has a resonance with me than just some place that I've grown up in my whole life, hmm. you know, whether that be America or Nashville. Um, and almost I've experienced a, a sense of enjoying things again that I didn't enjoy before. Like, especially like, for example, one of my favorite things to do while I'm staying over there is to have on my phone, like have Spotify going on my phone and sit with my really good buddy drinking coffee and like going back and forth of like, hey, have you heard this new song? And sitting there listening to it and enjoying it together. Hmm. And almost watching him discover music the way that we were talking about earlier because the music discovery aspect that we have been you know, wrestling with for the last 10 years of like right. the Napster, the Spotify, everything, that's that just happened four months ago. It's almost like because there's this difference in accessibility that I think with digital streaming in a place like India could actually be a benefit to them in finding out artists like a Coldplay or like a U2 hmm. because those bands until three years ago, Coldplay had never even been to India. Yeah. So they're stuck listening to Justin Bieber, the Chainsmokers, and Ed Sheeran <laughs> until someone wants to make a difference. What do you but think? It, what do you think about music happening right now? I think it's incredible. Um, I think some of my favorite songs are by artists that a lot of people don't know about. Okay. And I think a lot of my friends love songs by artists that I've never heard of. So I think there's still that. It's it's a positive and negative thing. Like yeah. It's almost like what what we saw in my eyes was the golden age of like you, you spend time to get in your car to go to the store to find a CD that you like to go home, open it up. You smell that paper, <laughs> you read the lyrics, and then this it becomes this this memory and this experience to you. But I do think because of the way other people's lives are and how they live their life and the accessibility of things that they have. I think there's potential for things like Spotify and Apple Music and all these streaming services in the near future for a place like India to really create a new experience for these kids, for these younger people that have that same feeling and emotion that we have had in the past, the first time we heard a physical CD play. Yeah. You know? It's almost like for me, I, I kind of catch myself all the time over there, like, almost stopping what I'm about to say, like whether it's pessimism or negativity, because I'm like, you know what? You know, he just went from having, you know, five songs on his little phone for 10 years, the same five songs yeah, to millions of songs available at his fingertips. And he probably feels like a kid in a candy store. It's kind of fun for me to be alongside the ride for that. Keep 
like a diamond I found. And if you're an angel, I'd steal your halo so you'd still fall for me. Cause time is a the thief in the night And I know you can't stand it But I'm gonna fight And if I am crazy Then just say it, baby I know how this will end try and say it as, as, as well as I can. I, you know, I'm just, you and I are talking and I, I feel um, better. I, I, I felt a little anxious today. I don't know if it's the earthquake. I just, I haven't quite felt myself. And just hearing your voice and talking, uh, it's relaxing. And I, I feel the connection. And I think Instagram and Facebook want people to believe that there's connection. Right. Um, but it's shallow. It's it's very on the surface, and I even I on my it's approval based. I can see why there's a lot of anxiety and depression in the world because I think human beings, and I I, I personally think it's less in Europe because culturally they make the time to sit around and have coffee or tea or drink wine for hours, and you know they take a lot of time off from work and. There's there's a stronger family structure there, and I just feel like in America we lack those sort of cultural nuances, and I think it makes. Yeah, there's a haste here. There's Go. a haste here that I I don't ever mean it to be political or degrading to like what we have here, but there's a haste here that is just kind of ingrained in us. That you're right. Like I think that Eastern cultures and Europe and it's just different for them. Like, for example, anytime that you ever go to anyone's house in India, whether to borrow eggs or to say hello, and like, it's if, if you're not offered water at, at the least, that is highly offensive because it's, and it's not this like, will he do it so I can like applaud him? Right. It's just like this sense of like, I want you to know that you're valued and that I'm happy that you have, your shadow has come upon my door. Um, and, and maybe that there's a lot to say with just because like their 
lives are clouded up with things that we have here that, you know, kind of keep us distracted or not everyone has like a smartphone, you know, or this or that. Um, but you're right. There is a haste here that whether you want it or not, I mean, it makes, I know it makes me feel anxious and I struggle with depression as well, but there's a haste here that I, I feel immediately after stepping off the plane every time I come back. Well, there's just a relentlessness here in America with the news, with the with the feeds. It's just, yeah. and that's and that's what I sort of am referring to. Uh, you, you know, you're not really absorbing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm able to absorb, and I even I was listening to this podcast where the CEO of Instagram is talking about messaging as conversation he's like he'll he even said it in this in this in this talk these are conversation starters and of course you know i I looked up the definition of conversation and it says a talk between two people and there's no there's no talking going on yeah Uh, it's and and i think that's why there's a deeper level of anxiety and shallowness because just by talking to you you talking to me, I mean, I feel it ever since I started the podcast, like eight months ago, I just, I feel connections with people. And, and not that I didn't have that, but I think when you have a, an intimate or long hour and a half conversation with somebody on a podcast every week, or it, it just, it, it creates um, a lot of depth, and I and I yeah. do feel like if people were doing that kind of stuff, not even necessarily on a podcast, but just in their day to day life, I I do think anxiety and depression would lessen miraculously. Yeah, and that is one thing I will say that I learned from the band, and the reason I wanted to take all of that on was because I wanted our interaction with the fans, if we were going to have interaction, to be followed through, hmm. and to follow up on something a fan says. I remember talking to one girl in the UK who was suicidal and we spent, I spent time emailing her back and forth to the point that two years later she came to Nashville to visit and intentionally wanted to meet us to Mm. say thank you. Not because we're an awesome band or like I'm an awesome person, but she even said there was a, a point where she felt like somebody else cared about what she said and, and not have it just be like, you know, a tap of like a like of a comment. Um, but just this depth of connection that we as artists decide to open the door to when we put something out into the world, mm-hmm. that there are people that, you know, just do that and it's their art form and they're mysterious or whatever. Whether you're talking about a, a a band to fan relationship or just a person to person relationship that it's like, yeah, we can just be Instagram friends and like I'll message you or like your photos or we can just be Facebook friends and like I'll, you know, show you my favorite pie recipe. (laughs) But we as human beings, no matter how far this all progresses, can still decide to make the intentional effort to connect with people. And I think if we use it the right way, all these avenues that we have, whether it's releasing things or communicating with people across the world, those can be bridges to like genuity. I think people people take for granted what they have and think that just because we're Facebook friends or just because you've liked my posts on Instagram that like we have this bond. The only thing true about what he said in that podcast was it is it is a beginning. 
but it's it's not a conversation it's not a relationship and i think we still have to decide as human beings real live breathing heart beating human beings right we're going to be ourselves and that translates across whatever platforms we're on i maybe i still respond to human voices and uh because that's what I knew, but me, I'm just thinking the people that are, you know, 10 years old now, 15. Yeah. I mean, will they ever have more than two or three uh, close friends? I don't even know. I mean, will they ever really experience long conversations or deep connections? And you know, that's the same, I think everywhere around the world. And another thing that I love about India is people would rather sit in front of you and tell you what happened than to tell you over even a phone call, you know, and there's something beautiful, no matter where you are in the world, it's all these things trying to like, I think make us feel closer. But if we don't jump from that as if it was a trampoline to something deeper, we will feel alienated. We will feel anxiety. We will, we will be depressed. We will be comparing ourselves to people. Yeah. But I think of the example of like, you know, what we were talking about at the beginning of like buying a CD and how that's special and then how it doesn't feel special for us when like something comes out on Spotify. But I think of like my example for that would be sitting down at coffee in my place in India and then playing a song on Spotify and saying, this is why I like this song. When it finishes, you show me a song that you like and then talking about it. So using what is now and like still making that be meaningful. Yeah. I get a little discouraged. It's just because the world around us wants the uh, instantaneous what's and then what's next. And I even think about, you know, watching a Cheers episode or watching Family Ties or watching and then having to wait a week to see the next episode or even, yeah. e, you know, <laughs> ER or something. And it's yeah. it's it's not about absorbing one episode anymore, except maybe on HBO or Showtime. But it, it really is as much as you can, as quickly as possible. And before the other person does it. Yeah, that's the other thing that I've noticed. Um, There's this strange, well, like two things, and then I'll let you go. Um, And I'm going to bring up something. It's kind of, there's, my point is, there's this strange thing about being first. Mm. And the weird thing about it, it, it's, it's coming through in death. And I'll explain. Chris Cornell, um, one of my favorite singers of all time killed himself. I guess it was maybe right. a year or two ago. Uh, or I think it was, yeah, I'm not sure. But anyway, and I remember feeling like I was, I, I cried. I remember waking up with my girlfriend and uh, I, I, I wasn't really processing it at first. And then I just started bawling. I, I was, I was really bummed out. Um, and I, went to Instagram or Facebook and I started typing this thing up and then I'm like, what, wait, what, what am I doing? Yeah. And I stopped and I, I feel like there's this strange thing happening where people want to be the first to tell people that somebody died or something happened. And I was even thinking about, you know, when you brought up Johnny Cash and how sad you were about that. I just, I don't know. Am I, do you under, can you wrap your head around what I'm talking about? I think, I think everybody wants to be known for something. Hmm. And so I think there's people that get some sort of satis- some sort of satisfaction 
about being the first to post even something as simple and stupid as a meme all the way to being a news reporter of like on social media of like this happened or that happened. But I think it still goes back to the root of like affirmation. Yeah. We all want to know that we're good at something and that we're good for something. And so there may be people that don't think they have anything going for them except to be the first person to watch season three of Stranger Things. <laughs> you know? And to be the one that has the first opinion, you know, and so I think it goes back. It's it's honestly like a bad like science experiment, like what social media has become of like this is like the worst of like what people can be you know capable of and this is also the best yeah and i still think it comes down to the root of like if i know that i crave affirmation if i crave acceptance how can i not go the negative route of like looking self you know involved and self wanting self-glorification to using that energy that i that is for selfishness to like pouring out to someone else. Yeah. Whether that be a relationship, a friendship, whether it be doing something for other people, I don't know. Like it could look like a lot of things to a lot of people and I think they're all good. I don't think you have to necessarily start a, you know, a nonprofit to be an amazing person. Right. Um, last couple things, promise. How did you feel when you found out about Ryan Adams and that whole thing with, um, What's her name? His ex-wife? I forgot all of a sudden. Mandy Moore. Mandy Moore. What, what, like, what did you, I don't know if I'm asking something too personal, but. Oh, no, 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 it's fine. Yeah. I, that article came out. And I was we, in India and I remember looking, like reading the whole article. And uh, there's honestly people that were a part of that, that piece that I know. Wow. Um, so it was devastating. And. It's hard. That's hard for me because that's somebody that I grew up with in terms of like musical influences of like me in my formative years. Yeah. Um, I think I'm still wrestling with it. I haven't listened to him hardly at all since that happened. Not because I don't necessarily like not like his music anymore, but I just don't know where to place it. Yeah. You know, um, I believe every single person that that had something to say in that article um, I think it's unfortunate that, well, it's like we talked about, I think with his case of like rising to fame as fast as he did, I think there's issues within his life that he probably should have dealt with way earlier on that manifested themselves in an unfortunate way. And the bad thing about nowadays is an article can come up overnight. Yeah whole career is in the tank it's crazy and it's fascinating and you know it doesn't take away the fact that cold roses is one of my favorite records hmm. um i think and i know this from my own personal experience i can i can take away my music from who i am because i think someone can have assumptions about my music or what one song means versus what another means or take a meaning to mean something that it's not or mean something that is whatever um i would like to think that i could i hope that I could go back to a time in the future and listen to his records and experience what I felt when I first listened to him and not have this. But I think only time will tell. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, <laughs> it's a, it a heavy article. From what the article depicted and the stories that were told, I think obviously he has a deal with an issue with control. Yeah. 
And I think that came out in his musical career and in his personal life. Yeah. I do think he's prolific. I I remember hearing stories back when he was recording Heartbreaker here in Nashville. And I remember hearing stories about how he would be scribbling down lyrics on napkins at bars. Like, and that's before there, people would take photos and like put it up Instagram. Like he wasn't doing that for anybody else. Mm. Like, so I do think he comes from a mindset of like actually being talented, but I think there, it shows an issue of control, like in his personal and like, you know, professional life. I think for me, when it, when I come, when it comes to me looking at him, I still have a lot of confusion of like, yeah. And I brought him up because I just, again, I knew how much of a fan you were. And I think it led to my last question where I was just, what other artists really blew your mind and really inspired yeah. you? Yeah. I think Sufjan Stevens and Gregory Allen Isaacov have those guys, I feel like are my best friends. Like okay. their songs have seen me in every state of life. Like I remember two years ago, I was, this is crazy. I was in Gregory's top 5% streamers on Spotify, Wow. <laughs> which I don't even know what I get for that. I, I think I get nothing <laughs> yeah. but shame. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a pretty big deal. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So I listen, I really do listen to music when I need to process things, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I still have, I, I don't, I'm not always combing the web for like, you know, new bands or new artists. I'm usually listening to the same songs that I listened to last year, like, or it's classical music. Yeah. So it's things that are familiar and speak to me. Well, um, it's been, yeah, I've just, I think music has so much power and I think um, it's changed my life and it's obviously changed your life and um, I guess I want people to slow down and and connect whether it's through conversation or just by really digesting music and and not always having to think about multitasking and what's next and just going as fast as you can and I, I think like you I'm excuse me I'm thinking of ways to and I'm doing it, but just slowing down, you know, sure. just, I think yeah. it's really an important practice. And I, I don't know if it, it probably partly cause I'm a yoga teacher also, I just, I think it's important to slow down and, and, and talk and connect. And it's been yeah. really, it's been, I don't know, it's been really cool talking to you. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I mean, yoga for me, that's something that I started doing last year and the slowdown aspect for me has helped me cut at the haste of America that I was talking about. Like doing, like having a time where it's just you and your mat for an hour and it's your practice. It's not other people in the room. There's no comparison. There's no judgment. It's you focusing on yourself, not in a selfish way, but like in a way that's helping you grow yeah. as if you're a flower in a garden, you need water, you need sun, you need care, you need to be, you know, trimmed. So I do like that, that aspect of it. Cool. Um, Troy Akers, you're freaking awesome to take the time to talk to me. Um, name of the band or your artist name is Bandit Heart, and you can be found on Instagram at Bandit and then the word heart. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to end the podcast today actually with my favorite song of yours, uh, Ghost. I want to, I just, I dig that song. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. Yeah, man. Cool. I fell for a ghost 
Oh. 